Praise God forevermore. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord is good. He is awesome. He is wonderful. He is gracious. He is everlasting. He is faithful. There is none like him. He is abundant in mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's a God of compassion. He's a God of comfort. He's a God of truth. He is a God of might. Hallelujah. He is a God of power. Blessed be his name forevermore. Amen. So Father, we thank you right now for this word that will go forth today. And Lord, by your spirit, minister it to each and every single one. Even as it goes forth, minister to people, Lord. Minister to your children. Minister to them, Lord. Even let ministering spirits and angels be released to minister. Speak in their hearts. Speak in their ears, Father. Give me divine utterance. Accomplish your purpose in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we purpose even now that we give you all the thanks, all the praise, all the glory. For it is your anointing, it is your power, and it is as you have purposed. So your will done here today on earth as you have ordained it to be in heaven. In the name of Jesus. And everyone said? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's have a seat. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Turn with me to Luke chapter 21. Luke 21. Luke chapter 21. All right. Luke 21, verse 19. In your patience, possess ye your souls. The Amplified says, by your steadfastness and patient endurance, you shall win the true life of your souls. There's a life in your soul there that is to be won. Your soul is to be possessed. It must come under the government of the word of God, the spirit of God, and the blood of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 39 says that we are not of those who draw back onto perdition, but of those that believe to the saving of the soul. We believe to the saving of our, our souls. We are steadfast. We are persevering. We are patient. We are enduring. And we stay the course until the soul is one. The Bible says in James 1 verse 21, To receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. When you are born again, your spirit is absolutely totally and perfectly saved. Your spirit is, 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 is enveloped and filled with Christ and the very life of Christ himself. Your spirit is blessed and has every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. There is nothing in your spirit that is any way rebellious against God. 
In fact, you delight in God after your inner man. Yes, yes. But your soul is not like that. Your soul is, is to start out with when you get born again, there is absolutely no change in your soul. Your soul still thinks like the world, still has a temperament like the world, he still has a will and attitudes and so on, very much like the world. And it's not underneath the government of the Holy Spirit. It's not underneath the government of the Word of God. And it's not underneath the government of the sacrifice of Christ or the blood of Christ. And God wants us, but we need to have that soul to come in line. Because without it coming in line, it, it, um, there are so much difficulties that we endure that God wants us to be free from. God loves us. God loves you. God don't want you to live in agony and pain and, and all the torment that can come through the soul arena. You see, the soul arena, if it is not checked, if it is not brought under control, is an open door to confusion, oppression, anxiety, bondages of all sorts. It is an open door for unbelief. It is a place where unbelief grows and, and festers. It is a place where, where there, is this, there is discouragement and, and anger and, and mood swings and, and all of these things that came into the human race because of the fall. It is what the devil accomplished through Adam's fall in the human race. But Jesus came, shed his blood, died, shed his blood, was resurrected and everything else for the very purpose of destroying the works of the devil and undoing what the devil did. Now, if, if Jesus' sacrifice was not successful in undoing what the devil did, then it would mean that what the, that, that what the devil accomplished in Adam is greater than what God accomplished in Christ. And the Bible says that's not so. It says where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. What the devil did in Adam, God has loosened it, he's undone it, he's overcome it in Christ. To the point that you and I are to be more than conquerors as a result of what Jesus has done. Yeah. Amen? Amen? But however, within your spirit, you have all of this victory. You have all of this liberty. You have the very life of Christ. Blessed with every spiritual blessing. Free indeed. Supernaturally empowered. Filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and all of that. But, but, but because this is in your spirit, it has to be brought out. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Yes. Your spirit is pregnant, and it's filled with God. Yes. Amen? Yes. And you're sealed by the Holy Ghost. But it's not that way in your soul. It's not that way in your body. But God, the will of God is that both your soul, your spirit, soul, and body will be underneath the government of the Spirit of God. For that reason, it says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 23, Paul says, I pray God that your whole spirit and your whole soul and your whole body would be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord. So it is the will of God that your soul, all of your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your, your intellect, your, your um, attitudes will all come on and come into that place of blamelessness, come into that place of liberty, come into that place of freedom. It is the will of God. But it is not automatic. No. 
It is not automatic. The Bible says that you and I are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, all of that life and liberty and peace and joy and victory that you have in your spirit, you are to draw it out. You are to draw it out of your spirit, bring it into your soul, and even get it into your body and into your environment. Amen? Hallelujah. But um, now, the, the, now, and this is what we want to talk about today. Going through that process. Going through that process so that we can get to the place where your soul is, is so delivered from the torment, from the manipulation of the enemy and of the environment. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, I'm not saying it's an easy process, but it is available. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Scripture just come to my mind. In fact, the Bible says in, in um, Matthew chapter 11 and verse 29, where, it said, where Jesus says, Learn of me. Yeah. I, am, I am meek and I'm lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He says, learn of me. There's some or the other that he says, you can be yoked together with me. You can be swallowed up in me. Let me be so in charge. Be so clothed with Christ. Have that meekness. Have that humility. Have that yieldedness. Have that loneliness of mind. And if you can come into that place, you will have rest and peace in your soul. Amen? How many of you want to be there? Yeah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Independent of anything else. All right. Now, um, what are we talking about? About coming on and need the independent, coming on and need the, the government of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. The Bible says in First Epistle of John, chapter 5 and verse 8, it says there are three that they bear witness in the earth. The Spirit and the water and the blood, and these agree in one. Now, we know that the water is a type of the Word of God. So then there are three here on earth where we live physically. The spirit, the word, and the blood, and the three agree in one. The Amplified says that these three are in unison. Their testimony coincides. In other words, there is what the, in other words, when, when the words, when the Spirit of God speaks up and says, This is how it is, the word of God says, the word of God um, rises up and says, Yes, this is how it is. And then the blood of Christ and the sacrifice of Christ rises up and says, this is how it is. And in the courtroom of God, so to speak, when you have the witness and the testimony of the word and the blood and the spirit of God, the case is closed. It's over. Victory. Amen. That, that scripture will actually lead on to a place where it says that um, in verse 15, I think it is, or verse 14, that this is the confidence that we have. There is a tremendous confidence, victory, and liberty when we can get those three forces, when we can get our soul underneath the government of the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and the sacrifice of Christ. Now, let me just say something regarding the Spirit of God just for a moment. Jesus said to the disciples after they, after they were born again, after Jesus was resurrected and everything else, He says, wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He also said in another place, it's better for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, will not come. He said, it's better for you that I go ahead and offer myself as a sacrifice, be resurrected and sit in the Father's right hand. It is better for you that after I have done all of that, for, for me to do that and for the Holy Spirit to come. Amen? And again, he, and, and again, he also said that... Um, that 
Um, when I leave here, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. But I'm going to send another comforter that is going to be like me. He is the spirit of truth. And he will be with you all the time, lead you and guide you into all truth. What was he saying? He was saying that given the sacrifice of Christ, given what I'm going to do, when it is done, you're going to need the Holy Spirit to testify to all that I have done. The Holy Spirit testifies and agrees and bears witness and works with the sacrifice of Christ and every aspect of it. Amen? Amen. In other words, it, uh, and, I, and I got this phrase that, that I heard. The Holy Spirit is the seal of the sacrifice of Christ. And the Holy Spirit is the comforter. He is the teacher. He is the one that brings enforcement. He is the one that gets the job done. He is the one that performs. He is the one that does, that, that does this transformation that will bring your soul from where it was when you, were, when, when you were in the world and you weren't born again to where it needs to be, which is totally underneath his government. The Bible says he was at work within us both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So we do not want to leave the Holy Spirit out of it. Amen? But also there is the word of God. Why is it so important for us to have, to, 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 for us to bring, the, for, for us to have our soul under the government of the Spirit of God? And the Bible says, I'm referring to that issue of the government of the Spirit of God. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 8, it says that we are in the ministration of the Spirit now, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? The Amplified says, why should not the dispensation of the Spirit, this spiritual ministry whose task it is to cause men to obtain and be governed by the Holy Spirit? To be, to, to be governed by the Holy Spirit. How shall not this ministration be attended with much greater and more splendid glory than what we saw operated in Moses' ministry. It goes on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 7, Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, where the spirit has lordship, where he is in charge, where it is his government ruling, there's going to be what? There's going to be liberty, freedom. So God wants you and I, wants our soul to come into this place where it has freedom, where it has liberty. The Bible says in 3 John chapter, 3 John verse 2, Beloved, I wish above all things, or I pray, I desire above all things, that you might prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. In other words, your prosperity your prosperity physically, in terms of health, your prosperity financially, your prosperity in your relationships, your prosperity in your mind, your prosperity mentally, in every area. It is a desire. God says, this is my heart. I desire for you to prosper. I want you to be, to be, to be full and flourishing and, and, and strong and healthy and whole and victorious and free. But it is according as your soul prospers. Yes. Amen? And he goes on to say, For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and they testified of the truth that is in thee, even as you walk in the truth. 
So abiding in truth and walking in truth is connected to your soul prospering. And there is no greater truth than Jesus is the truth. And all that Jesus is, he is because of his very own sacrifice. All that he is right now, the place he's being elevated to, the fact that he's being made heir, uh, heir of all things, the fact that he's being given all power both in heaven and on earth, all that he is, the fact that God the Father calls him God, so that there is now a man in the Godhead, the man Christ Jesus. All of that is because of his very own sacrifice. Yes. How awesome that is. So he who is the truth is all that he is because of the sacrifice. So the very sacrifice in and of itself is the embodiment and is the details of truth. So he says, look here, I want your soul to prosper. I want, your, I want you to prosper, but it's going to be in relationship to your soul prospering. And I rejoice when I hear that you're walking in the truth. I rejoice when you get a hold of this sacrifice, the reality of being crucified with him, resurrected with him, having the authority of his name, having, having been washed by his blood, free from condemnation and insecurity and, and shame and unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, for instance, and bitterness can literally twist your soul. Yeah. It, can, it causes hardship. It's an open door for the enemy. So he says, look, I want you to walk in the truth. I want you to walk in the reality of the sacrifice. I want you to, to, to walk in it, I want, and I rejoice when I hear you do. And it goes on to say, there is no greater joy that I have but that to know that my children are walking in truth. There is this thought that the Lord seeded to me the other day, which is from Colossians 2 verse 6, that basically says, as you have received Christ, so walk ye in him. And what I heard was, as you have received the sacrifice of Christ, so learn to walk in that sacrifice. Amen? So why is it so important of possessing the soul? Because prosperity in whatever area is dependent on it. It is the issue of truth. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1 and verse 22, it says, um, purify, your, the, purify your souls, or rather you have purified your souls by obeying the truth, by doing the truth, by declaring and receiving and walking in the reality that it's no longer I, but it's Christ that lived in me. In walking in the reality of what the blood has done for your life, and declaring it and speaking it and walking it out. Hallelujah. That salvation... And then again, why is it so critical? Because that salvation that is in you, you work it out with fear and trembling. Your deliverance is hooked up to it. In fact, the only reason you need deliverance is because of the problems within the soul. Amen? And it says, with joy do we draw from the wells of salvation. Now, let me interject this as well. We, we quoted this scripture last week. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. Which says, um, we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of our faith, the salvation of our souls. So it says, the end of our faith is the salvation of our souls. In other words, our, our faith doesn't come to maturity and doesn't come to that place where it's impenetrable by the enemy until we get to the place where the soul is saved and when the soul is underneath the dominion of the Holy Ghost. Yes. 
In other words, once the, once the soul is not there, and, and, and I, don't know, I don't know about you, but I don't think any one of us has quite arrived there. We were on the way, though. Amen? Say, I've left the station. <laughs> Amen. All right, okay. But, then, but, uh, but what happened is, you see, we're on the way there, and that is why we hold fast. That is why it's with patience and perseverance, refusing to quit, refusing to give up, having that endurance that we will come to that place of, an, of, of, of the saving of the soul, coming to that place where it is now possessed. But, but on the way, what happened is, if we are not diligent to make our calling and our election sure, if we are not diligent to take certain actions, then what happened, there is that vulnerability that can cause us to faint, cause us to become weary, cause us to become discouraged, cause us to, to, to slip into a place of unbelief, etc., 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 and as a result, not receive the fulfillment of whatever God has promised. Amen? But which is not to say that you got to be perfect for everything to work out. Amen? Thank God for the grace and the mercy of God. But in fact, while I'm on that point, let me say this. Even though sometimes, even though we're not, we haven't yet arrived, we, we can still apply the principles of the Word of God, believe you receive it, hold fast to your confession without wavering, etc., etc. But it is, for that, it is for that very reason that because we haven't yet arrived, it is for that reason why the, the Word of God will say, forsake not the assembling together of yourselves. Why? That you might provoke one another to love. Why? That you might comfort one another right, with the comfort of which you've been comforted with. And there's a verse of Scripture... Um, that says that we might comfort one another with the common faith. Comfort one another with this commonality that we have in the confidence that we have in the sacrifice. You have a brother there and they're having some difficulty in that area. You're able to remind them about some aspect of the sacrifice. Amen? It is the reason why, because we haven't yet arrived, that's why we need one another. The Bible says, bear you one another burdens and so what? Fulfill the love of Christ. That is the reason why we have a high priest that ever lived to make intercession for us. That is the reason why when we don't even know what to pray for as we ought, what do we do? We pray in the Spirit. We pray in other tongues. Why? Because we haven't yet arrived. And we need help. We need a help. Of, in fact, the Holy Spirit, the reason Jesus says, better for you that I go away, because if I don't go away, the helper, say the helper. The helper cannot come. Yeah. Say, say the Holy Ghost the Holy is my helper. And I'm telling you, the area you need the most help is in your soul. Oh, yes. yes. Amen? Yes. So he helps you. He helps you. And that is why when you cooperate with him, even in the realm of praying, when you don't know what to pray for as you ought, what happened? You are able to release him to be your helper. You are able to, to, to allow him to help you, to pray for you, to take a hold together with you. And he, has, he lifts up the heavier side and you take the lighter side over there. Amen? But you can take hold of it together. Isn't that right? Okay, so this is not to say, in other words, the fact that we need to possess our souls and so on and so forth is not to say that, oh, I'm not there yet, therefore what am I going to do? Uh, you know, I mean, it's not going to work until I get there. But in that case, you'll have to wait till you get to heaven. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. But there is a process. And it is God's will. The Bible says in... in um, uh, Luke 8 and verse 15 it says with it says uh, regarding the harvest the joy no not the joy of harvest 
It says in Luke 15 and verse 15, no, 8.15, sorry. Luke 8 and verse 15. But, but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and a good heart, having heard the word, they keep it. They got the word. The word is in their heart. You're receiving the word right now. And they bring forth fruit with patience. They bring forth fruit with patience. In other words, then, this issue of, um, of, of, of this same patience that you use to possess the soul, this, this, this remaining, in, remaining in confidence in what Jesus has done, that same power, that same force, that same force is necessary. Why? Because it is with patience that you bring forth fruit. In other words, that force connects up with your harvest. Amen? That same force that possesses your soul connect up with your harvest. So what, in other words then, when we are negligent, where our heart is concerned, where our soul is concerned, and we don't do anything to bring it into that, into that place or under the dominion of the word and the spirit and the blood of Christ, then what happens is that it affects our harvest. Amen? Because sometimes we will faint before, before, before we can reap, even though we might be in a harvest field. Are you with me? Yes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. All right. So how then do we possess the soul? How do we do this? Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 4. Say, I want to do this. I want to do this. You see, the Bible says we are not ignorant of the devices of the devil. God has given us understanding. He gives us understanding so that we can recognize the traps, the schemes of the enemy, recognize these little um, foxes that spoil the vine, recognizes these little tricky things that he does, and so that we can, so that we can rise above them and so that we can quench them with the shield of faith. Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now when we're talking about the soul, we're talking about the mind, the will, and the emotions primarily, okay? Now Proverbs chapter 4. Now this is a passage, let me just read it. Let me read the truth first and then we'll come back. Read it from verse 20. It says, my son, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life to those that find them. And they are health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence. Keep your heart with all diligence. Don't be negligent. And that word, when you see, whenever you see the word heart, it could be your spirit or it could be your soul. Because your spirit and your soul make up your heart, which lives in your body. But there are scriptures that are referring to the spirit chamber of your heart. And then there are scriptures that are referring to the soul chamber of your heart. What am I talking about? For instance, Jesus says, where do all these wicked things come from? He said they come forth from your heart. Wicked stuff. And all right? And then in another place we see in, in first in first um, Peter chapter 3, verse 4, let it be the hidden man of the heart that is undefiled, that is incorruptible, that is so pure and perfect. That doesn't sound like wicked things coming out of your heart. And in another place in Jeremiah, it says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Amen? And then and then um in 
James chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Amen? So, and, and there, there are other scriptures I can, let me just give you one of them here just to prove it. Because you need to know, make that distinction. Because a lot of the times, it is talking about your soul and not, and not your spirit. Your spirit is fine. <laughs> your spirit is okay. For instance, in Romans chapter 2 and verse 29, it says, But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is of the heart. This circumcision, where does this take place? It's of the heart. Where? In the spirit. Not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. In other words, in the heart, in the spirit. In other words, there's a difference. In other words, in the heart, and it tells you where? In that spirit part. That's the part that got circumcised. That is the part that, that now has God. Are you with me? Amen, and we could go on. But anyway, just take that for now. But let's go back to Proverbs chapter 4. It says, so it says, guard your heart with all diligence. As we were saying, you can't be negligent, but we've got to, with diligence, possess our souls. We've got to do something about our souls and don't just let it evolve. Yeah. Don't just leave it to random chance. Don't just leave it to, to you know, what will be, will be. Don't do that. It says here, guard it with all what? Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it, out of it are the issues of life. I'm supposed to be reading this, not preaching this. At least not yet. Put away from you a forward mouth, and, a, and perverse lips put forth from you. Let your eyes look, look right on, and let your eyelids look straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, and let all your ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove that foot from evil. Alright, let's go over this passage, and let's use this passage to pull out a few things as to how you and I can possess, how we can possess our souls. Let us start off by, by making this statement. In Deuteronomy 32 and verse 7, it says, For you, the word is not a vain thing, because it is your life. You know, I remember one time, a situation many years ago, where some one person was saying, I mean, they were talking, they were complaining about my preaching. How could dare they? Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, that's, uh, forgive me. But anyway, and basically, what they were saying is, if, 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 if they were saying that, referring to me, that all it is, it's always the word, the word, the word, the word, the word. And I, I, I remember I went, and I was feeling bad, you know what I mean? Like, okay, I had too much word. And then later on in time, I'm like, hey, hey, that's, you know, the word is not a vain thing. Yes, the word, let it be like fronted before your eyes, yes. right? Yes. Day and night, attend on to it. And I, and I saw I got delivered from that. Yes. Amen. And I hope you need to be, I don't know if you need to be delivered, but you should be delivered from people and what they think and all of that stuff. Just, just obey God and just be concerned with what God thinks. Amen? Yes. Yes. Doesn't mean you want to be respectful and nice and sweet and gentle and kind and all of that wonderful stuff. <laughs> all right, anyway. So, um, but Deuteronomy 32, 47 says, the word, it is your life. Say the word is my life. The word is my life. Now, the Bible says, so number one, the word of God is, is, is one of the major, is perhaps the most major key in possessing your soul. James 1.21 says, receive with meekness. That means humble yourself. Whenever you hear the word meekness, there are two sides to meekness that you should always bear in mind. There is the humble side, the emptying of oneself, being clothed with Christ. You know what I mean? 
there is that humble side and, and, and that weakness, that powerlessness. But yet, on the other hand, with the word meekness, it's not only does the word humble in there, but it is also power. There's a phrase called, they say it's power under control. Moses was a meek man. He was humble. But at the same time, man, he knew what power was available to him. Isn't that right? And you and I need to be that way, where we are humble. But at the same time, we are meek because we know what power is available to us. Amen? Hallelujah. So, um, it says, receive with meekness that humility. But recognizing the power of God and the word of God, receive with meekness that engrafted word. Let the word become engrafted in you and it is able to save and deliver your mind, your will, your emotions, and even your attitudes. It is able to save your soul. What is able to save your soul? The word of God by itself? No. The engrafted word. As it becomes engrafted in us. As it abides within us. How does that word become engrafted? It becomes engrafted, first of all, by you speaking it. Psalms 45 verse 1 says, My tongue is as a pen of a ready writer. Proverbs 3 verse 3 says, Writing on the tablet of your heart. Your heart believes you more than it believes anybody else. Your inner ears hear your voice. So your tongue is as a pen of a ready writer inscribing that word into your heart. Also, when you act upon the word, when you do what the word of God says, you literally build it or engrave it into your heart, into your soul. Amen? That is what um, John 15, 7 says. If you abide in me and my word is engrafted, my word abides in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. 1 Peter 1, 22 says, speaks about you purifying your soul. Bringing it underneath that government of the Holy Spirit. How? By obeying the truth. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. Now why is the word able to do that? Because it says in, in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 and 13 that the word of God is alive. It is alive. It's not just some stagnant thing. It is alive. Have you ever taken a fish out of a... Um, it's a fishing bowl or an aquarium. Can you imagine you took a fish out of the aquarium, right? And you put it on the countertop. What would happen? It would bounce in all around. Yeah. And all right? Well, the word is like that. It's alive. Say the word is alive. alive. But not only is it alive, but it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it has this ability to penetrate even to the dividing of the soul and spirit. It can get into areas of your soul, into your mind, into your will, into your emotions. It can get in there. And the Bible says everything is naked and defenseless before it. The word of God and God are one. The authority of God is, 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 is embodied in his word. God says in Isaiah 55, my word is going to accomplish that which I please. And it's going to prosper where unto I send it. it that, the word of God is alive. The word of God is power. Now you need to have mixed faith with it and believe it. Amen? Because it also says in Thessalonians that the word of God works effectively in them that believe. When you receive it, not as the word of a man, but as it is indeed the word of God, it will work effectively in you. In other words, then, if you don't receive it as the word of God, if you don't believe it, then even though it's the word, it wouldn't, it wouldn't necessarily produce. And that's in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13, right? That the word, when you receive the word, 
as the word of God, it produces. Say, I'm a believer. I believe the word. Amen. So, the word has penetrating power. It has this power to get into your soul. I, 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 you know, sometimes, I don't know for you, for you, you know, like when you go and you're cleaning a fish or something like that, and you got to cut off all, or, or you're carving a piece of meat, and you got to carve all these little pieces. You know when you got the wrong knife and the knife is dull? What happens? Man, you butcher the thing. <laughs> but when you got a nice, sharp knife, a piercing knife, you're like, Psst. And you could just, oh, yeah, okay. Well, it's like that. The Word of God has that type of penetrating power where it can get right in there between the joints and the marrow and in the areas of the soul, and it can do stuff. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But now, and so we have to take that Word and meditate on it. Meditate on it. Think on it. Roll it around in your mind. Why? Well, for one thing, but that meditating process gets it engrafted in you. That meditating process will produce revelation and understanding. There's an interesting verse in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 6 where it says, Paul says, Consider what I say, and the Lord give you understanding. In other words, when you consider the Word of God and you mutter it and you, you think on it, all of a sudden at some point, boop, here comes life. The entrance of the word bringeth light. And when you keep gazing, as in, a, as in a dark place, when you keep gazing at that little beam of light, all of a sudden, it, it, it seems to just brighten up. Have you ever been in a hotel room? You know what I mean? You went somewhere, and you, you, I mean, you're in a hotel room, and you fall asleep nice and deep. It's not your home. It's you're in a hotel room, and then you wake up in the middle of the night. And you decided you wanted to go to the bathroom. But now, you're in a strange hotel room. You don't know where, so where is the bathroom? This is not your house. So you just don't have that, where is the bathroom? And you're like, for a moment you're like lost. But then what happened? Oops, you see a little bit of light coming through the, through the keyhole. And as you see the light and you gaze at the light, all of a sudden you become oriented and recognize it's over there. Well, the Bible says the word of God is like that. If you keep gazing at it, it's like a light that shines into a dark place until the day star arrives, until revelation comes. So that's why you meditate on the word. It brings revelation. And when revelation comes, then you're going to have the motivation to take the action that you need so that you can get the fruit of that word. Are you with me? So meditating is important. Considering that word. I know myself, if I'm going on a trip, I'm driving from point A to point B, and especially a long trip out of town for an hour or so, I mean, I might listen to something on the way, on a CD or something, but if not, if I have some things I'm meditating on, word before I drive off, I'm going to grab a little notebook and I'm going to look at a few things. I'm going to put some material in my head and with a purpose that while I'm driving from here to there, I'm going to think on this. And I'm going to roll it around in my mind. Meditating on the Word of God. Now, I don't want to make this seem like works, but I cannot tell you that, it is, that diligence is not required. The Bible says to be in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 and 11, it says be diligent to make your calling and election sure. What does that mean? Be diligent so that what God has spoken concerning you, what God has purposed concerning you, what God has uttered concerning you, what he has called you to, be diligent so that what he has spoken could be, would be fulfilled. Be diligent to make your calling and your election sure. And then it says in the next verse, verse 11, more or less, that if you do that, you're going to have a glorious 
magnificent entrance into the kingdom of God. In other words, here is the realm of God. Here is where God rules. Here is, is, this, is the sphere of God, his dominion. And it says, if you be diligent to make your calling and election sure, then you're going to have a nice, you're going to be escorted into that arena. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. With peace and mercy following after you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Say, say, say renewing of the mind. Say diligence. Say meditating on the word. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now this issue of meditating on the word, this issue of thinking, because don't forget what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring our soul under dominion. We're trying to bring our thinking under dominion. And it is very important. We are talking about our thought process. Now, we can, we can strategically choose and say, Philippians 4, 8 says, think of whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is just, whatever is holy. Think on these things. And yes, you can choose your thoughts that way. But also, too, this meditating. When you meditate and stuff, it will just bubble up. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. There's a magnificent verse in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 15. Talking about Abraham. That if he had been mindful of the country from whence he came, he would have had opportunity to return. In other words, after, he was, after God tell him, leave wherever it was. And if he was there thinking, oh man, oh man, I, I, well, why did I do that? And if he keeps thinking what's at the back there, it would have pulled him back there. So what does God say? Forget the former things. Don't think on those things. In other words, if he doesn't think about it, then it doesn't have that pull. What is the point? The point of the matter is, there are areas of, there, the devil can tempt you if he, can't, if he cannot interject that thought in you and get you to feed on it. Amen? Which is to say that where then is missing the mark? Where does sin? Where do these things grow? Where do these things become conceived and, 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 and come to the point of birth? Where? In that arena. In that soul arena. James 1 verse 1 from 12 to 14 basically talks about that. So the issue of thinking right and meditating on the word is important. First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 33 says, Watch the company you keep. Amen? Now I tell you, you know what company you keep? More than anything else, you've probably heard me say this before, is those thoughts in your mind. Yeah. You are always with you. You ever notice that? <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> so make sure you're a good company. <laughs> what you're thinking. All right. But then there's also, so it's how you think, and it is obviously you're speaking. I cannot say enough about speaking, but we talk about that all the time, so I'm not going to spend much time on that. But it does, it does, it does declare that God will, has ordained, Titus 1 verse 3, to perform or to manifest his word through preaching. In other words, when you say what the word of God says, he brings fulfillment to it. Let me put it this way. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1, it says consider. There's a good word, say consider. Say it again. Say it again. Now I'm just going to sidestep a little. The issue of considering is connected to this issue of, of, of meditating. One of the reasons why Abraham didn't crumble and fall while he was waiting for the manifestation of Isaac is because he considered not. He considered not his body now dead or the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't consider that. His eyes was not fixed on the problem. That was not what he was meditating on. 
He wasn't denying it, but he wasn't meditating on it. Consider, the Bible says in um, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 3, to consider Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Consider him, what he endured. And he said, and it says, if you don't consider him, what's going to happen is that you will become weary and you will faint. Yeah. Amen? In fact, um, when we start talking about joy, you will find a source of joy is not yourself. You're going to find that he is the source of joy. You're going to find it's his presence is the source of joy. You look at yourself and you, you, it's, joy doesn't come from self. And where you focus makes all the difference. Amen? What you consider make all the difference. We look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. The things that are seen are subject to change. If you look at the things that are seen, quite often, I mean, they, will, they could be... That's where discouragement comes from. The very root of discouragement comes primarily by looking at the problem. Amen? That's staring back at you. And not only does the problem stare back at you, sometimes it want to talk to you. Right? And then you got to get, you, you got to become like Jesus and say, no man eat food from you hereafter forever. <laughs> Take that however you want. <laughs> Jesus put it this way in Matthew 6, 22. He says, if a man, I, is single, his whole body will be full of light. In other words, there's a singleness you need to have where, where are you looking? Now, actually in this Proverbs chapter 4, it's going to say, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my saying. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. How do you get it there? Meditating, speaking, um, and getting it engrafted in there. And it says if you do that, it's life to all your flesh. Now, I know this talks about physical healing, but we're talking about wholeness. We're talking about healing and wholeness in your soul. Yes. Isn't that right? Yes. So it applies very much. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Proverbs 23 verse 26 says, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. What are you paying attention to? Where is your focus? How is your time being divided? You know, one of the things, um, one of the things about fasting is not the fast. Fasting doesn't impress God. And you don't, you know, but fasting, what fasting does when it's done correctly is that it more or less tells your flesh, you are not in charge. You're not making no decision here. You're going to eat when I tell you to eat. <laughs> right? Amen. But why are you doing that? You're doing it because for this purpose, so that the spiritual could take ascendancy over the natural. So that you could become more sensitive to the spiritual arena, to that which is not seen, and so that the unseen could become more real than the seen. Amen? Can you see that? Can you get what I'm saying? Right? And it's in the same area of focus. In other words, fasting can help you shift your focus to a God focus. Amen? Jonah. Jonah got in this situation. You know what Jonah said in Jonah 2 verse 8? He said, They that observe lying vanity forsake their own mercy. When they observe lying vanities, when they observe, observe lying vanities, then they, they forsake their own mercy. Numbers 21 verse 8, regarding the children of Israel when they were being bitten by serpents, by, by serpents it says, everyone that looketh unto this brass serpent that Moses was told to put on this thing, everyone that looketh at it shall what? Shall live. He that looketh, Look at, 
Look at what are we talking about? We are talking about your focus. Say my focus. My focus. Amen. Yes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. So, um, all right. So, so then it goes on to say in verse twenty-three, keep your heart, keep your heart with all diligence. Who is to keep it? You, you are to keep it. Keep your heart with all diligence. Why? For out of it are the issues of life. There are forces of life that comes out of your comes out of your soul. That comes out of that soul chamber of your heart. Those forces can be negative. Those forces can be positive. So it says you better guard your heart and don't let negative forces come out. Guard your heart. Watch your mouth. Guard your heart. Watch your thinking. Because you see, your mouth, life and death is in the power of your tongue. And you don't want death coming out. Amen? Your mind. If you become double-minded, you become unstable in all your ways. Let not the man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. So we got to watch our mind. Um, there's a scripture in Luke 21, verse 34, which basically says, Take heed to yourself. Lest at any time your heart be overcharged with sufiting and with drunkenness and the cares of this world, so that that day comes upon you unawares. In other words, it is basically saying, take heed, watch yourself, guard yourself, keep your, don't allow your heart to become overburdened, depressed, oppressed, stressed out, become giddy, become giddy like as with a headache or as with drunkenness or with self-indulgence. Why? So that the day doesn't come upon you unawares. In other words then, when there is that giddiness and there is that burdenness and there is that heaviness within your mind and within your soul, it affects your ability to think. It affects your ability to hear the voice and the leading of God. How many times you try to talk to somebody, but because they're so upset or because they're wherever they are, they don't even hear you. And you're trying so hard to get across to them and they're not getting it. Why? Because they don't have that quietness of mind that is needed. Are you with me? Yes. So then, we have to keep our heart. How do we do this? How do we do this? Well, peace. Say peace. peace. The Bible says, let the peace of God be like an umpire. What do we know about the peace of God? Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 to 7 says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be. Refuse to be anxious about anything. Be anxious about nothing. Why? Because anxiety connects you with the kingdom of darkness. Anxiety is confidence in what the devil is able to do. So it says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. How? By prayer and supplication. In other words, stay connected to God. And then it says, let the peace of God. Let the peace of God what? Keep your heart and mind. What are we talking about? How do I keep my heart? For all the without the issue, how do I keep my heart? Say peace. peace. Let that peace guard your mind. Well, where does this peace come from? Well, Jesus said in John 14, 27, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. When you are born again, you have peace in your spirit. Say, I have peace, I have peace. in my spirit. I have joy. I have thanksgiving. I have righteousness. I have everything. I am blessed with every blessing. In my spirit. So Jesus has given you that peace. But we need to draw it out. We need it to rise up and become like a garrison of soldiers that would protect our mind. So it says, 
It says in Isaiah 26 verse 3, He will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed in Him. Again, back to the issue of your mind. Jesus said in John 16 um, and verse 33, In John 16 and verse 33, Jesus says, These things I've spoken unto you, I've given you my word, that in me you might have peace. In the world you're going to have tribulation. Mm -hmm. So there's a taking hold of the word. Oh, this is important. Let me back up and give you a thought. Back in John 14, 27, where it says, where Jesus says, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give with you. Not as the world give it, give it unto you. Let not your heart, which means you can let it or not let it. Yes. Well, how am I going to let it or not let it? By taking the peace that he's given me. In other words, then, without the peace of God, I'm, I'm almost somewhat helpless. Yeah. But we must recognize I've got that peace, store up that peace, you feel like it or not, declare it, and refuse to be troubled. Amen? Amen. A little bit more about the peace. The Bible says in Isaiah 32, verse 17, that the effect of righteousness is peace. Well, we've got some understanding of righteousness, do we not? The effect of you operating like you're one with God, the effect of you operating in the authority of God, the effect of you having confidence in, 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 um, in your rights and your privileges and the promises, the effect of you operating that the blood of Jesus has, has been applied to your life and you're free from condemnation and, and insecurity and all the other stuff and all the promises belong to you, the effect of that is what? Peace. The effect of the fact that this is my authority, this is what Jesus has done, those things produce peace. So the effect of righteousness is peace. Amen? So we got to go after peace. Guard your heart. Let this peace of God rule in your heart. Righteousness. Righteousness produces peace. So you got to abide in righteousness. Here's, a, here's an interesting verse of scripture. 1 Peter chapter 2, 24, which we are familiar with. That says, being dead to sin, that we might live unto righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. Live unto righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. Verse 25. For you were a sheep going astray. You were going off on your own way. But now you have returned to the shepherd and the bishop of your souls. In other words, then, as you live unto righteousness, what happens? You have you returned to the bishop of your souls. You have returned and you are in line with your, the guardian and the shepherd of your soul. Again, what is the point? Walking in righteousness, walking in authority of the sacrifice, walking in what Jesus has done, puts you in a place where Jesus can be that bishop of your soul. Amen? Does that make sense to you? Hallelujah. And then, of course, we know righteousness comes out of the sacrifice. Let's move on. So there's an issue. So how do I keep my heart? Say peace. peace. Say righteousness. righteousness. And then, um, let, let me jump down. To, in, in, in Proverbs chapter 4, one of the later verses, verse 26, is going to tell you something like, um, uh, upon the pathways of your steps, which means walk right. What does that mean? Well, the Bible says the steps of a righteous man are what? Ordered with the Lord. Psalms 23. Right? He leads me in the path of what? Righteousness for his name's sake. Psalms 85 verse 13 says that he gonna that, that, that righteousness is going to go before you and plant you in his footsteps. What is the point? So when we're talking about ordering your steps and walking in a certain pathway, it is basically saying walk 
in the reality of the sacrifice of the cross, of the blood, of who you are in Christ, of the oneness that you have with him, and so on. And just so that force of righteousness, which is one of the forces of your born-again spirit, as his peace and as his joy, can rise up and bring that deliverance in your life. Rise up and produce the peace. Are you with me? Guard your heart for out of it are the issues of life. There are these forces. We don't want the bad forces, but we want the good forces. We want the peace. We want the joy. We want the righteousness. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We want the thanksgiving. Say thanksgiving. The Bible says in Colossians 2 verse 7 that um, it says the truth thanksgiving, Colossians 2 and verse 7. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Established in the confidence that is in Christ. How? As you have been taught, abounding therein. Abounding in that faith. Abounding in your grace. How? With thanksgiving. You see, when you begin to, to operate in thanksgiving, you take your attention off you and you put your attention on God. And he is the author. He is the finisher of your faith. It is considering him. It's, it's attention to him. That, 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 that is part of your deliverance. Amen? Thanksgiving turns your attention on him. First Thessalonians 5 verse 8 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. Amen? I mean, things can happen, and if we allow it, it can pull us down. It can pull us out, pull us into a place of murmuring and griping and complaining, and then what happens? We just get, we, 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 we turn inward, and that's not where our deliverance is. Our deliverance is in working out our salvation with fear and trembling. And then there's the issue of praising God. Jesus said when the children were praising God, uh, praising Jesus and worshiping him in the temple in Matthew 21 verse 16, God, Jesus declared that out of the mouth of babes, God has ordained praise, has perfected for praise. And he was quoting Psalms 8 verse 2, which basically says God has ordained praise to silence your enemy. What enemies? The enemies of your soul. To silence the discouragement. To silence the oppression. To silence the loneliness. To silence all of that. To silence the enemies. He prepares the, the Lord who is your shepherd that restores your soul. Prepares a table before you in the very presence of your enemies. Praise is, 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 is a force that God has given not only to silence your enemies. But also to empower you in your emotional arena. To, to strengthen your emotions. Joy, we talked about that. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. How? By rejoicing with joy unspeakable. Joy. Joy is, it also says that with joy you, you draw from the wells of salvation. Patience. Perseverance. Luke 21, 19. With perseverance and steadfastness, refusing to quit and, and, and endurance and staying the course, what happens? You can possess your soul. Diligence. Amen? So there are these forces. Peace and righteousness and thanksgiving and praise and joy and patience and diligence. And every one of these things is in your spirit. So God is saying, stir them up. Stir up these abilities, these graces, these, these powers, these anointings that are in you. Stir them up and let them come forth and bring deliverance to your soul. Let them come forth and guard your heart. And keep your heart, keep your soul, so that the enemy is not there to take advantage. Amen? Hallelujah. And, 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 and we're pretty well there. Let me just give you this. 
And in Proverbs chapter 4 again, it goes on to say, put away from you a forward mouth. Well, talk right. <laughs> and perverse lips put far from thee. Watch your mouth. Say, watch your mouth. Say, watch my mouth. <laughs> Psalm 39 verse 1 says, I will, what does it say? Um, I will brighten my mouth and I will muzzle my mouth. And a 